All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, we covered the first verses, first couple of verses last week, and so we're going to try to cover through verse 5 this week. And uh, let me ask you to pray for each one of the missionaries coming. Uh, let me give you a list of them real quick. We just got our passports in, taking Christ to all the world. Has a nice little design on the front of it. Brother Bill Goins does a wonderful job. Of course, uh, our guest preacher, Brother Jim and Miss Sandy, go to India quite a bit. And then uh, the man I mentioned, Adam and Ashley Waltz, W-A-L-T-Z, they're going to Taiwan. He's the one that's got spina bifida. And then uh, Nate and Emily Wilkerson is going to be with us Sunday night. They're going to West Africa. And that's a rough area, West Africa, Muslim infested. Josh and Elizabeth Ewan are going to Indonesia. He was there for several years and came back. Now he's going back to the field. Tracy Pover is going to Chile, a single lady. That takes a lot of courage, praise God. It's hard to raise support when you're single, too. She's going anyway, amen. And then Mitch and Jacqueline McCormick are going to Peru. Uh, they'll be with us Tuesday. And, of course, Jason and Lori Holt that we've been supporting for years and years They'll be coming uh, on Wednesday night. They're going, and are, they're in Chile. And so they're just reporting in. And you will be thrilled at what God's doing in Chile. I promise you. It's tremendous. All right, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. Let's stand on the Word of God, and we'll read verses 1 through 5. If you can stand tonight. Thank God we got the plumbing fixed. I asked Brother Travis how it was going. He says, we got it. So there ain't nothing that man cannot fix. He's... He's a blessing, I'll tell you what. We just need a jack of all trades in this church, amen. But he's, they got it. Somebody bumped the condensation pipe, blew it open, and um, it was trying to flood our hall, but it didn't reach it, so thank the Lord. Um, a lot of stuff goes on around here y'all don't know of, and it just takes a lot of maintenance, amen. But thank the Lord. We need prayer maintenance, most important of all. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is Christ, Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Don't leave out the thee. And everyone that loveth him that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. What a commandment and what a challenge. And by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And here's the text tonight. And his commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not grievous. Let's go on through verse 5. It says, what, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? It begins, first of all, believing Jesus is Christ, and then wraps it up with the deity of Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. You may be seated as I pray. Father, Thank you for this good congregation tonight, great attendance. Thank you for all the ones that's working in the Master Club that got here and got on that hot bus and started traveling around 5.30 or 6. God, I know they're exhausted. I know they were exhausted when they come in from their hot jobs today. But Lord, thank you, dear God, for their willingness to get these children to the house of God. It's the only hope they You're the only hope they have. And Lord, I pray that the hope will be lifted high and mighty and available to these young people. Pray that somebody gets saved. God, use Brother Chase as he preaches to the young people tonight. 
And God, use this message that we might see what it means to serve you out of a heart of gratitude. And Lord, we thank you for those that are going overseas and going to countries that are very dangerous to take the gospel. Lord, it's got to be important because it's life or death where they receive the gospel. So Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just tell you this, is that uh, life is in Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. Verse 11 is one of my favorite verses, or 12. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You're just existing. I use that a lot in the jail uh, because people are just marking time, and they're not really living. And a lot of people outside jail is not really living. They're just marking time. And uh, last week we, we, we went through the whole book of 1 John and studied the phrase born of God or born of Him. That's the birthmarks of the Christian life. Go ahead and put that up there so people that weren't here can see it. Uh, there's the birthmarks. You might want to write those verses down. If there's anyone that ever comes to you and says, and they will, how do I know I'm saved? You ought to give them these five verses. You ought to tell them there's birthmarks. By their fruits, you'll know them. And I want to tell you something, friend. They're birthmarks. Um, uh, when a person's saved, they, they manifest life and love predominantly. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 7 through 21 talks about love. And John just can't get off the subject. He continues with that love. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 14, that we know that we pass from death and life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And so he's still on the theme about this sweet fellowship and loving others. Some people are harder to love than others. But you ought to love everyone. You don't have to like everybody, but you ought to love everyone. You surely shouldn't like their sin or love their sin, but you need to love every sinner. Because Jesus loved you when you were a sinner. Jesus loved you when you were unlovable and unlovely and unloving. And then it's a, it's a faith life. Um, Acts chapter 16, verse 30 through 31, Galatians 3, 26. And it's a family life. That's where we ended last week. It's a family life. Um, one thing that's so precious about the life that we have in God is that we have a family. I went over what Confucius and Hindus and Muslims believe and how they believe that, that you're saved. George Whitfield preached over 3,000 times on you must be born again. And somebody asked him, why do you preach so much on you must be born again? And he said, because you must be born again. Amen. Amen? Uh, George Whitfield is a, is a reason we have such a great name for this county, George Whitfield. I'm glad this is not Benedict Arnold County, amen, or something like that. So thank the Lord. Um, it could be worse. So thank God for uh, the name of this county, and the church is named after that, Whitfield Baptist Church. But I want you to see the family life uh, tonight, verses chapter 4, verse 7 through 21. Uh, talks about everyone that loveth him and all that are begotten of him. And you go to verse 1, and I don't think I covered this last week like we should. Everyone that loveth him, that's God, that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now, friend, what, we are, what this is saying is every person that's saved ought to be treated like a brother or sister in Christ. You ought to be so close to him that you protect them, that you pray for them, that you watch over them. Well, I've been sad all day long after finding out that uh, someone uh, 
is uh, their family's falling apart. And we, I didn't even know why they were missing church. And it's so, so a shame uh, sometimes that we let people slip through the cracks. But I want to tell you something, we need to have a relationship with people. We need to count them as brothers and sisters. And when they're not faithful, we need to go after them. And it gets hard. And so there's a relationship. There's a relationship. They're your brother and sister. Um, the unbelieving Greek writer Lucian, A.D. 120 to 200, uh, upon observing the warm fellowship of Christians, wrote this. I mean, here's a lost guy, a Greek, in, Bi in the Bible times. He says, it's incredible to see the fervor which the people of that religion help each other in their wants. They spare nothing. Their first legislator, Jesus, has put it into their heads that they are brethren. Now here's a lost guy, a heathen, philosopher, Lucian, A.D. 120. He said, they have got it in their head because of their legislator, and he, meant, and he was referring to Jesus, he didn't mention him by name, has put in their heads that they are brethren. They are brethren. So 1 John chapter 5 tells us that we're brethren. Amen? We ought to be concerned about each other. And when somebody's honored, we're honored. When somebody's hurting, we ought to be hurt. Family. You know, folks, you'll go to bat for family. You'll do some crazy things for family. You'll sacrifice for family. You'll get a little defensive about family. You'll get more grieved over your family than you will my family because that's your domain. And that's your right. And so let me give you another word on this uh, slide, responsibility. We have relationship, but we have responsibility. Um, not only did he put it in our, uh, in, our, in our heads, he puts it in our heart that we're brothers, we're sisters, we're family. We have relationships. It's not the Baptist cop-out when you can't think of Brother Daryl's name and you say, hey, brother. That's a Baptist cop-out, Amen. Praise God. Hey, sister, how you doing? You know, you don't even know their name, but you're going to call them brother or sister. That's a good cop-out. Praise God. Keep doing it. It's better than saying, hey, you, or I forgot your name. Because none of us are in a, uh, honest enough to say, I think I forgot your name. And you get as old as I do, sometimes you forget more than names. Amen? Uh, you forget faces and stuff. You know, and you forget where you're at, where you're going. Uh, it's not that bad. But responsibility. What's the responsibility? It's right here. Loveth him also that is begotten of him. You ought to love people because they're your family, but you ought to also love them because they need to be loved. And that's responsibility. Um, without a doubt, we can learn from the Army. We can learn from you veterans that we're going to honor on November 10th. Remember how close you were to your fellow soldiers. I mean, when it's on the battlefield, you don't think about yourself. You think about your buddy. Uh, the author Stephen Ambrose wrote this the band of brothers is what he called it which later became a mini series I think on TV he wrote and told the story of an easy company uh, of easy company 506 regiment of the 101st airborne from uh, uh, in the, from the rigorous training in Georgia in 1942 they trained in 1942 in Georgia they're disbanding in 1945. In his book, he takes his readers through the war with the Easy Company, 
506 as they parachuted into France early D-Day morning and knocked out a battery of, of four 105-millimeter cannons looking down on Utah Beach to, the Holl to Holland during the uh, uh, arm, arm, arm him camp campaign, Bostonian Battle of Bulge they were in. They were captured. They captured Hitler's Bavarian outposts, his Eagle Nest, Bergen's Stangannon. And they were men that were training and combat that learned selflessness and found the closest possible brotherhood that they ever knew. They discovered in war, now listen, they discovered in war who loved life would give life for others. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought to be closer than an army. We're brothers, we're a band of brothers. We're a band of sisters. It's family life that results in love one for another. And I think about the stories, and some of you know better than I know, about those that's given their lives for others. They get that purple heart and that silver heart. Uh, Pappy told, would not discuss it, but I read articles about him in the Atlanta Journal about rescuing uh, people on the front lines and risking his life and carrying them to safety. Um, and uh, I framed that. And folks, I want to tell you something. In war, you don't think about yourself. You think about your fellow soldier. Well, let me just say this. We're in a war. We're, we're, we're the united army of God. We are to put on the whole armor of God, and we are to, to war a good warfare, the Bible says in 2 Timothy. And Paul often said to young Timothy, uh, be a good soldier. Uh, don't entangle yourself in the affairs of this life. But please him who has called you. And he was saying, hey, you got a responsibility to be uh, pleasing and submissive to your commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you was in a war, you'd want somebody next to you that didn't love their life but loved the cause but also loved you enough to give his life for you. We need to lay down our lives for the brethren. We no greater love than a man lay down his life for his brother. The Bible says in John 15. And so love is a, a wonderful privilege of relationship. Jesus loved us. That's why we're here. That's why we love each other. And then we're here because there's a relationship. And it's a faith life, but it's a family life. And it's a relationship, but it's a responsibility. So we need to obey this commandment. That's what this is in context talking about. And it should not be grievous. Some people love people like, okay, I'll love them because I got to. Amen? It's kind of like a, guy, it's kind of like a, a child obeying because you have to. I'll tell you how you can please your parents. Obey because you love your parents and you honor your parents. Amen? Greatest honor a parent can have is a young man that will do something for God or a young lady that will do something for God and that will obey and submit to their mother or father because they love them. And they don't want to disappoint them. And they don't want to grieve them. And that's a relationship. And a lot of times we pour our hearts out to our children and they break our heart. You ever had your heart broken as a parent? I have and you have too. 
And it's sometimes easy to say, well, they'll have to learn the hard way. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to learn this. It's only by God's grace you're sitting in this pew tonight. It's only by God's grace you're not spending time in some jail. Or you're not in hell. It's only by God's grace that you want to be here tonight. It's only by God's grace that you're saved, saved, saved. Now let's go on real quick. I got hung up on that, but I'm glad I did. I, I see the love we have for God in, in verse 2. It says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And so the love we have for God is a love that's expected. It's a love that's expected. He, uh, you know, when John speaks of loving God, he expects us to love God. And why wouldn't you love God? My question is, why don't everybody love God? Love God enough to sacrifice. Love God enough to serve. Love God enough to obey. Love God, God enough to die to self and not live for our little old selves and live for the, the almighty God. What a purpose. But what an act of love. 1 John 4, 9. The Bible says, In this was manifest the love of God towards us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Folks, we're alive. You're alive. Ephesians 2, 2 says you're dead in your sins and trespasses until Jesus quickens you and brings you to life. Now, folks, I want to tell you this, and I don't think it's too hard to, to, uh, to imagine. Lazarus had no problem loving Jesus. He was dead. He'd already stunk. He was in a tomb. And God, Jesus, said, Lazarus, come forth. In the next chapter, chapter 12 of John, we find him sitting at the table with Jesus. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't we be faithful to every service? Why wouldn't we come to Sunday school? Why wouldn't we go out witnessing when we're scared to death somebody's going to hurt our feelings? Well, the only thing you get hurt is your feelings. Welcome to America. And those people go over here and get their lives taken in Muslim countries like West Africa that this young couple's going to. And all those young couples look like teenagers to me in this book. Lord God, I guess it's because I'm getting older, but they all look like teenagers. And these young couples with little babies and, and uh, diseases and all kinds of things that they could use as excuse are going to a place of danger because they love God Amen. and because they love souls. Amen? And folks, listen, Matthew 22, 37 says, Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. It's not recommend or suggest that we love the Lord. He said, thou shalt. Love is expected. Thou shalt. Our love, is, love for God is expected. I'll just be honest with you. I expect my children to love me. And I thank God they do. And I love them. I had them all over. Uh, yesterday, except Amy and all that. And I mean, the house was a riot. We had so many kids running around that run into each other. I, I, I breathed a sigh of relief when there was silence for a second. I, and this is a volume control around here, amen? I thought I was a big mouth. I got some big mouth grandchildren. Praise God. Wow! But they were full of life. And they wanted to uh, be with me on their birthday Sunday. That thrilled my heart. So don't you want to be at your church? Don't you want to be with your parents? Nope, want to go home with Papa and Mimi. 
but it was really Mimi and Papa. Amen? And I, I, I don't expect that, but it sure was fun, and it sure was thrilling, and it sure was wonderful. Uh, yesterday I was going somewhere, and, and uh, we couldn't get in the same car, and, and um, the littlest, youngest grandson I had, Oliver, just started boohooing and crying. I mean, he was letting it rip. He gets his way when he lets it rip. Out in the, out in the driveway, and he said, I want to go with Papa. And Stephen looked at me and said, can I take his car seat out and put it in your car? I said, no, I don't want him. No, I said, sure, praise God, come on. And we went to McDonald's together. I don't expect that, but it sure is wonderful. And I want to tell you something. God the Father not only expects it, he appreciates it. He created you for fellowship. And when you fall out of fellowship, it grieves his heart. It grieves the Spirit of God that makes God real, that draws you to Jesus, that lifts up Jesus as Lord of your life. And when you quench the Spirit and respite the Spirit and insult the Spirit and, let, and just walk off into sunset with ungrateful, cold heart, it grieves the Spirit. Thus it grieves God and it grieves Jesus. Oh, friend, listen, I believe with all my heart it ought to be expected. Carl Pritz, P-R-I-N-T-Z, for many years the Swedish consul at Toronto appeared on TV on his 99th birthday. I was old back then. And an interviewer asked him, give us the rule you have followed during your long and useful life. And Pence said this, because I will mention one definite rule. One definite rule. One must be temperate in all things. That's why I live so long. Temperate in all things. And he paused like he got under conviction. He said, then he added quickly, perhaps I should say except one. To love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. These are the only thing that we can rightly do in excess. We ought to go overboard loving God. We ought to go overboard in loving others, and definitely we ought to go overboard in loving God's servants. If they're going overseas and giving up their land and giving up their families, and I know how it feels. Miss Bernella knows how it feels. Uh, Miss Julie and Brother Mark knows how it feels. When you, when you see them get on that plane with all those grandkids, your heart is tore up. And you go home and cry half the night and say, only for Jesus, only for Jesus. How would you like to see your grandchildren about every four years? And some people don't see them that long much because they can't fly over there like I can because they're, they're disabled or they can't get on a plane or they get on Miss Bernella's plane and they never get back. But, I don't I, you know, <laughs> praise God. Folks, listen. We ought to respect and honor those that sacrifice for Jesus. I don't think it's a hero worship at all to get their, their signature that you were here on that day. I think they ought to be our heroes. They're more important than Acuna Jr. They're more important than Zombie or Ombie or whatever his name is on second. They're more important than Dansby. They're more important than Donaldson. They're more important than the, the greatest ball player in the world. They're more important. They're more important. 
because, folks, they are doing something more important. They're not playing games and becoming spoiled millionaires by hitting a round ball over a fence. They're giving their life to serve God. I saw those pictures of Julia, I mean of, uh, of um, Brother Jeremy and Rebecca and that vacation Bible school using our material that we gave them. We first gave it to Kevin. He passed it on to his brother. That's great. All those castles and all that stuff. And those young Africans in vacation Bible school for the first time eating old sandwiches that our young people would snarl their nose up at. And they thought they were having the time of their life, 200 strong, hundreds getting saved, medical clinic where 2,200 people get saved or whatever. I don't know what it was. A bunch of people. 2,000 people come through a medical clinic at Camp Rhino. And that was headed up a lot by Brother Jeremy and Miss Rebecca because she, she was, she's a nurse. Man, I tell you what, we ought to honor them. We ought to respect them. We ought to at least pray for them. And we ought to at least like them. Amen. We ought to at least mention their name. We ought to think it's not strange that their picture's out in the hallway. And folks, we ought to really get behind these missionaries this coming week and encourage them with everything we got. Because it could be your daughter. It could be your son. Would you give them for Jesus? Would you give them up for Jesus? I thought about playing a little trick on a couple of parents that are very overprotective of their kids. I'm going to, I was going to say, hey, listen, Chase is back there, and he's going to marry your daughter, and he's going to take her to Taiwan. I just want to see their reaction. What? You know, we got to give our children to God. we got to give them up. we got to give them up to his service. But, folks, we need to love God, and if we love God, we love God. Those that are begotten of God. And you know what breaks my heart? I've heard in Dalton, Georgia in the past, they've had to call the police in churches during business meetings because people are threatened to kill each other. And so then they go down the road and start another church right down the road. That ought not be. Praise God. All pulling out guns in the sanctuary trying to kill each other because they don't agree on the color of the bus, and souls are dying and going to hell. We ought to be ashamed if we can't get along with each other. And I thank God in the 42 years almost that I've passed here, we've never had a real big problem. I've had some problems. I've had to deal with it. I had to go to people's houses on Thursday after Wednesday night and rebuke them because they were acting like they owned the church. And it was their church. It's not my church, not their church. It's God's church. And keep your mouth shut if you want to cause division in this church. Amen. But it's a shame and disgrace that God's local church cannot stay together. They've got to split, splatter, and start another one. When I was knocking on doors 42 years ago starting this church, everybody that I knocked on the door almost said, what split are you out of? What church did you get mad at? What? I said, I ain't never been in church in Dalton, Georgia. I don't even know what it's about. I said, I'm here because God sent me to win souls. If you die today, you know you go to heaven. Boy, that shut them up. I didn't say, well, yeah, I got mad up here down here at Kenzie Drive. I was going to start another one. Praise God, I can't agree with him. That's a sorry excuse to start another church. Say amen. Because one disgruntled group will be disgruntled in another group, and then they'll keep on. And that's why we have more churches in the South than any place in the world, because we can't get along. Let's get along, folks. 
How many of you don't like anybody in this church? Come to the altar right now. I'll, I'll open up the altar right now. I don't like anybody. Well, what are you doing here? Amen. <laughs> Get right with God. Get, and, then, and then the second point, it's love extended. It's love extended. Our God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Our God is a great God. The Bible says, if a man say, I love God, verse 20 of chapter 4, hateth his brother, he's a liar. He that loveth is not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Folks, God's love is extended. And I believe God extends his love first to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're in a warfare. We're in the foxhole. The devil's trying to bombard families and split them up. Does it bother you? It ought to bother you so much that you pray. It ought to bother you so much that you get them by the hand and bring them into the pastor's office and get some counseling. Don't try to handle it yourself. Not a double suicide because a lady tried to handle it herself. Or a murder-suicide. Kept it from the pastor. Because she thought she could handle the marriage counseling. Got to be careful about that. Now, you ought to be a good friend. But folks, when it comes to the Bible, we need to make sure we go to the proper places of counseling. That's the, that's the house of God. A man says, I love God, and he hated his brother. He's a liar. Our love for him should be shown as an extension of God's love. So here it is. There's a verse. It says, uh, he that beg- uh, he, one that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. And then we see in verse 2, the law we have from God. The law we have from God. Uh, it, there's, there ought to be something about the commandments that, that, that's characteristic about your life. Number one, there ought to be a desire to keep God's commandments. Something's wrong if you don't want to obey God. Look at verse 2. It says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. And particularly the commandment to love one another. And so, folks, there ought to be a desire. What is your desire? If you love God, keep His commandments. John 14, 13. John already said it, but he says it again. And then there ought to be a delight. Look at verse 3. I'll hurry. It says, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Listen to this now. And His commandments are not grievous. I know it's been hard to go to work in this famine that we've had. The hottest September almost in history. I know y'all didn't jump up and down when you said, now it's another day to go dig ditches or it's another day to work outside. But you did it out of duty, and you did it because you had to feed your family, and you did it because there's obligations to, to serve and to be a good employee. But folks, we're much more than that when it comes to obeying God. We shouldn't do it out of duty. We shouldn't do it out of routine. It's not grievous. You know what that means? It's not burdensome. It's not a, it's not a have to. It's a want to. And so let's just get down to it real quick in closing. We need to realize that we need to have a desire to keep God's command, but we need to have a delight. And it's not a delight of saying anything but, Lord, I want to please you because you first loved me. If you have to serve God, something's wrong with your heart. If you feel like you're going to go to hell if you don't serve God, you're in the wrong place. That's the Mormon church. That's Jehovah Witnesses. That's salvation by works. We're saved by grace but it doesn't mean we sit on our blessed assurance and not do anything for God. For faith without works is dead. 
being alive. And I believe love without works is dead. Amen. Is it ever a chore for you to do something for your wife when she asks you to do something for you for her? Uh, they do so much for you. And let me just put it real clear. They do so much for their children. And then the children say, no, Mom, I don't want, I don't want to obey you. I don't want to honor you. I don't want to honor God. And the greatest way to honor your parents is honor God. Amen. It's so heartbreaking to see our children dishonor God. That's the key of heartbreak, is that when people are out of the will of God, they're dishonoring God. They're taking God for granted. They're shaking their fists at Almighty God that saved them from hell and placed them in heaven and saying, no, Lord, I'll live my own life. And so there ought to be loyalty to God. Look at verse 4. It says, for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We're children of God, verse 4 says. Whosoever is born of God. Then we have confidence in God. They have a creed about God. It says, it says even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And so, friend, listen, there ought to be two things that characterize your life, love and loyalty. Love and loyalty. Loyalty to Christ. Used to be an old hymn that I sung when I was a kid. I don't remember the, uh, the words or nothing, but I know it was loyalty to Christ. And the conflict is over, the conflict is, 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 is overcoming that implies a battle. Look at verse 4. It says, Whosoever is born of God overcometh. The word overcometh means it's a constant battle. Every day there's a battle of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the battle is whether you're going to put self on the throne or Jesus on the throne. Overcometh. Every day the devil's tempting. Every day the flesh is weak. And folks, nobody has it easy. It's all a battle. And folks, listen, there's some people that are overcome with grief and overcome with sin and overcome with self. They need to go be rescued. They need to be prayed for. We don't need to talk about them. We don't need to criticize them. We don't need to kick them when they're down. We're the only, we're the only army that shoots their wounded. Oh, they go, hey, there's somebody back. So let's just destroy his testimony and let's tell everybody about it. That's pathetic. What we ought to do is be so burdened that we pray and that we go to them and we help them and we show them a difference. That's the greatest thing you can do to somebody that's being overcome. And then we see not only the conflict and the overcoming, but we see the confidence in God. We see the confidence of God and the conquering in the overcoming. Verse 4 says, He that overcometh. But I want you to, last but not least, show you the commandments are not grievous. They're not grievous. All this battle should not be grievous. You know, a soldier that's over there, and you know, 58,000 men and ladies lost their life in Vietnam. I never understood that war. But I tell you what, I'm not going to discredit or make fun of or put down any soldier that fought over in Vietnam, as most of the people did when they got back there. There was protesters and people even ridiculing the soldiers for not going AWOL and going over there and giving their life. And it was terrible over there. 
Agent Orange, some are dying still, and, and swamps, and mosquitoes, and malaria, and, and a terrible, terrible ambush from all the guerrilla warfare. It was a terrible war, and it won't last it forever, it seemed like. We ought to respect them. We ought to love them. We ought to thank God for them. We ought to, we ought to, we ought to thank God for their sacrifice. Now, the same thing ought to be with spiritual soldiers. We ought to thank God for those that's been faithful. We ought to thank God for old soldiers that are still in their place Old deacons and teachers, you that's been here over five years, uh, you ought to be commended for your faithfulness, your faithfulness. Folks, I want to tell you something. We're not, we're not put them out to pasture. We're to, we're to pray and help them and lift up their hands and, and say thank God for them and, and do everything we can to free them up to study the Word of God and pray. I'm talking about leadership. So the boundaries of protection. Then I see, folks, well, they're not grievous because the commandments are for your good. Why should they not be grievous? Because of the boundaries of grace. I don't have time to go in this, but I just want to read you a couple of verses. Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 is about the riches of Christ. And then chapter 4, 5, and 6 talks about the service to Christ. Folks, your believing affects your behaving. And I want to tell you something, as you look at how blessed you are, you can't help but want to go knock on doors and tell somebody about Jesus. And today we have to start at square one. Jesus, who he is, and God created you. Now we're in a heathen world that doesn't have the frame of reference we had. We have to go and explain it to them and give them a film on Jesus and tell them who Jesus is in America. Let's start at square one. That we're sinners. Folks, I want to tell you something. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says this. And I love this verse. It says, In whom we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of His grace. I want to tell you why our, the, our, our, the commandments should not be grievous, because you're saved by grace. You didn't get good enough. You don't deserve heaven. God gave it to you through His Son taking your hell. And folks, when God asks you to do something, it should not be grievous. Oh, Daddy, do I have to? I've seen young people uh, submit and obey, but they just stomp out of the house, slinging the garbage everywhere because they've got to take it out to the can. Whoo, that, that, that burns me up a little bit, amen? I want to get the belt of correction and follow them all the way to the garbage can and wear them out. In love now, just in love, praise God. Why shouldn't they take the garbage out? They probably ate about five or six cartons and drank about five or six gallons of milk, and they probably did uh, create a lot of that garbage. Take it out. But here they are. Oh, do I have to, Mama? I want to tell you something. You grieve God when you say, do I have to, Father, my Savior, my Sustainer, my Lord, my Life Giver, all that I've got that's halfway good, you gave me. Lord, what you want me to do? I want you to go knock on the door and tell people about me. Oh, do I have to? Well, I guess I, I'm a deacon, a teacher. I'm obligated to. It says I got to do it in the rules and regulations to be a good teacher. So here I am. Stay home. Stay home. Because a heart like that, 
you ain't going to be effective anyway. But don't stay home. Get right tonight. Fall in love with Jesus, and you'll be counting the hours that you can go tell somebody about Jesus with your church family. And it's a lot easier with your church family than it is by yourself. I mean, I love going visiting with y'all. I love it. Look at verse 18, same chapter. Ephesians 1, 18. It says, the eyes of your understanding. This is the prayer, of, uh, first a prayer in Ephesians. It's the prayer of knowledge and power. It says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Here it goes, enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And listen to this now. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. <laughs> Amen. He said, hey, listen. I'm going to pray that you realize how much hope you have and how blessed you are because God's given you an inheritance. And look at verse 19. This thrills me. It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on the right hand of in heaven, in heavenly places, far above all principalities, powers, might, and dominion, every name which is named not only in this world but also in, in that which is to come. He has put all things under his feet. Given you, he gave you the, to be the head over all things of the church and which is the body of the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. Folks, it's your reasonable service because of the bounties of his grace but also by the benefits of the Spirit. God enabled you to keep his commandments. You ought to be thrilled you don't have to do it in your own strength. That thrills my soul. I could not preach if I thought I had to do it in my own personality, on my own study, my own intellect. I'd fail so miserably. And I would get so tired of it because I'd feel like a failure all the time. But I don't have to go like through that. All I got to do is preach the word, plant the seed, and God gives the increase. And that relieves the pressure of serving God. So many people think, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. You sure can't, but he sure can. He says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? It's the same power that wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, verse 20. Resurrection power abides in you. That's why the commandment shouldn't be grievous. Isn't it great that God says do something and then he does it through you? Hey, when he says, hey, listen, go witness and he's the witness. Go love, and he's the lover. Go live, and he's the liver. Pardon the expression. He lives. He gives grace. He gives strength. Folks, you ought to not let the commandments of God be grievous because of the bounties of his grace and the benefits of his spirit. Whew, Lord gave me this this afternoon. I just about had a fit. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. The Bible says that in the ages to come, Ephesians now, and in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Oh, it's so hard to be kind. Why? Let God be kind through you. It's so hard to love that individual. Let God love through you. And when you don't love, then you can just notify your flesh, it's you. It's not him. Whew, I'm getting out of conviction my own preaching. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, 8, and to me who am the least than the least of all saints. What a humble man Paul was. Look at this. In this grace given, grace given, 
that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I'll tell you why the commandments should not be grievous. You've got a life-changing message. You've got a life-changing God. You've got a life-changing testimony. Your life has been totally changed. So you knock on a door and they treat you like dirt. Don't worry, you're not that important. They're the ones they're treating like dirt is the one you represent. Jesus Christ. They don't know you from Timbuktu, but you mentioned Jesus, it upsets some people. You mention Jehovah, you mention God, but if you mention Jesus, it disturbs them. Well, go ahead and get disturbed because I think we ought to tell them about Jesus because he set us free and no one else did. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But I want to close with verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 3. It says in verse 16 that we would, here's another prayer now. He's praying for fullness and knowledge. Two prayers in Ephesians that will shake your tree and lift you up in, in a blessing if you'll just pray it. But look at verse 16, Ephesians 3. It says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. I just did a word study of riches riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Folks, we have the power. And folks, it's so rich that we can't even calculate it. We just got to avail ourselves to it and let, it, let him flow. And don't stop there. Look at verse 17. It says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you be rooted and grounded in what? Love. Look at this, verse 18 may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of his love. And look at verse 19. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And you know verse 20, but I'm going to read it anyway. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Here's the last reason his commandments should not be grievous. Verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Folks, we ought to realize the benefit of the Spirit of God is that God's glorified. His office, his main duty, his, his, his desire, his, the Bible says in James chapter 4, his lust, his desire is that God be glorified. And I want to say this, friend. I feel very sorry for you if the only thing you want to do is get somebody elected or get somebody to stay elected for their glory or for the party's glory. I tell you, we got a higher calling, and that's the glory of God. The glory of God should be our reason not to say, this is grievous, I can't do it. I don't want to do it, and I'm not going to do it. Well, just don't do it. But you're going to miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime and the very reason you were born, to glorify God. And anything less than that, you're going to find it very, very, very dismal. You're going to find it very, very depressing. And you're going to find it very, very un. Because God created you for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message.
I didn't finish it, but I will. But God, help me live it out. When I do something for God, it's not a labor of luxury, and it's not a labor of duty. But God, it's out of love. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you for saving my marriage. I can't help but go and help churches that are falling apart one couple at a time. I can't help but go knock on doors and say, listen, don't get that divorce. God's able to mend your heart back together. I can't help it because you've done that for me. And I appreciate you. And I love you. And I want to love those that you've begotten. So Lord, fill us to overflowing with your spirit which is the spirit of love. The same power that got you out of the grave is the same power that lives in my life to love others, to care for others, to go knock on one more door, to visit one more broken family, to help somebody that's grieving, to help somebody's family that's falling apart, to help some daughter or some son that the devil's attacking. God, please, Help us not to have commandments that are grievous. But help us to love others as you love us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to quit a little early tonight. Please don't break your kids out to 8.30. But how many would say, preacher, tonight the message made sense? If God so loved me, I ought to love the brethren and lay my life down. God laid down his life for me, I ought to lay down my life for the brethren. I think that's 1 John 3, 16. Isn't that neat? 1 John 3, 16 is for God so loved. The second John 3, 16 in the Bible is, receive ye the love of God that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our life for who? The brethren. Let me say, preacher, the Lord spoke to my heart about not letting this service be grievous and to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind and to love others as Christ loves me. Would you lift your hand high for prayer? i got to raise mine. Because it's hard to do, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard to be patient. But God will give you grace. Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. It's been a very busy and hectic day. Thank you that we can come and set aside just a few minutes and learn to love you more and to be reminded once again how much you love us. And we'll thank you and praise you using this message bless each person raise their hand some of their hearts are broken and they're losing patience God they're hurt so much but God help them keep on loving we'll praise you in Jesus name